here and welcome to the True Talk Cafe podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited that you're here. Our podcast will tackle a myriad of topics ranging from relationships to personal development and everything in between. Today's show is about human trafficking. This is a very serious topic that doesn't get enough visibility. Therefore, we wanted to do our part to shine the light on this subject matter. But before we dive in, let me introduce you to the pod crew. My name is Renee Stewart, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anna Garcia. Hey. Carla Decor. Hello. And Lolly Ramirez Bennett. Hola. Hey, ladies. So collectively, we span four generations. Can you believe that? We've all experienced ups and downs in our personal lives and professional careers that have qualified us to share our unique perspectives with you, and we're excited to do so. Before we dive into today's content, I wanted to let you know where you can find us. On Instagram and Facebook, you can use at True Talk Cafe. And on Twitter, you can use at True Talk Cafe One. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and leave a review. We value your feedback. We want to be sure that we are providing content that resonates with you. So please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. All right. So spoiler alert. Happy New Year. We are so excited about today's show. I, so as you know, may not know, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And we're going to shed some light on this horrific practice with the hope of helping someone avoid getting caught in this trap. So please stay tuned to what is about to be an impactful discussion. Also, stick around to find out how you can join us on a live show. So now let's get started. So as Carla just shared, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. We do ask that you try to utilize the color blue, as you can see, I'm wearing it today, to demonstrate your support for this, uh, this situation. What we're going to share with you is a little bit about the, 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 the problem that we have and hopefully help you understand that this is not just a, a humanitarian problem that's across the, you know, in different countries, but really our local communities, metropolitan or be it the, the small suburbs that you and I might live in. So let me start off by defining human trafficking, which has also kind of been called the modern day slavery. Human trafficking is the legal trade in human beings through recruitment or abduction by means of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of forced labor, debt bondage, and sexual exploitation. Based on the 2017 data, in the US alone, there's almost 5 million people that are being trafficked for sexual exploitation. If you think about that, that number, 5 million, 20% of those are actually children. I mean, that that's just horrific. I don't even like to, to, to know, the, as much as I like numbers, that one didn't make sense to me at all. And then for forced labor, there are over 4 million people that are trafficked in the U.S. every year. So I'm focusing on U.S. alone, because in most cases, when you think about human trafficking, people tend to be in another country. So unfortunately, this problem is across the board. Reports of human trafficking have been called in from all states. Again, typically, if you think about um, that transfer of people, any state, any city that has 
highways that that go across the country become hubs for human trafficking. When you think about the problem, again, as long as there is a demand, there are going to be people out there willing to find ways to supply it. And it's a very difficult problem to eradicate unless you and I become aware of what this is and recognize that this is a problem that could impact our own family, our own friends, our own neighborhood. I can share that for forced labor alone, it is an estimated $150 billion in profit every year. Sex trafficking obviously is much higher than that. It's difficult to calculate because no one's reporting on that, right? So who's your typical aggressor? Anyone. They could look like you and me. They could look like who you would think would be a sexual trafficker. It could be someone who's very rough looking and scary. It could be a student. We've had many cases where there's actually cheerleaders that are in, in school that are helping traffickers bring in new people. So really, again, there's been traffic, traffickers that look just like grandmothers or grandmothers. So it could be a business person, it could be anybody, and we need to understand the risks that are out there. So what are the, some of the key signs to look for when you're thinking about a person that might be trafficked? According to the U.S. Department of State, some of the most common indicators of human trafficking include, but certainly not limited to, living with an employer, poor living conditions, multiple people in a cramped space, the inability to speak for themselves. They have to go and address somebody or they refer you to somebody else, right? The answers are very scripted or rehearsed. When the employer is identity documents, passports, licenses, etc., you can see that there's actual signs of physical abuse. You also might note that that person is very submissive, submissive or feel fearful. They're also unpaid or paid very, very little under 18 and in prostitution. So anyone under the age of 18 in prostitution is considered a human trafficking victim. Of course, you think about this, the circumstances I just shared with you. Those that are most typically victimized are women and girls. There are about 70% of the cases reported, girls for that matter. But also understand that this can happen to boys and to men. Discriminated and marginalized youth tend to be particularly vulnerable to trafficking as they're looking for someone to help them just, you know, listen to them or understand. Another thing to keep in mind is that the most common pre-existing conditions included, and this is an order of likelihood, maybe if you saw a kid that is running away from home, 63% of those could be uh, victimized, right? Being in the foster 22% of those of those children end up uh, being victimized as well. Having substance dependencies, experiencing homelessness, or having been trafficked in the past. Another group that is at extremely high risk is our LGBTQ youth. Again, because they are so marginalized, it is easy to be um, targeted in that respect. 45% of our underaged sex trafficking victims experience childhood sexual abuse before entering the commercial sex trade. Other risk factors include emotional abuse, 
physical abuse having previously. And again, running away from home makes them very, very likely at risk for that. According to a report of prosecuted sex trafficking cases in the US, 60% of coercive tactics used by traffickers are non-physical. That means that unfortunately, many times what are they're being made to feel like they're obligated. I bought you a nice pair of shoes. You're in debt from, you know, I buy you all these things. You have to stay here. The other thing that's very important and, and really kind of changed my perspective when I think about human trafficking is that one in six of those that are reported missing are probably in sex trafficking. So when you go to the local pharmacy or the grocery store and you see a sign on the door and you think, oh goodness, I wonder if you know I need to make sure I share this information or you maybe see it on social media. The other piece to that is that keep in mind that it may not be by choice. They might have been, again, with, with fraud tactics, et cetera, they might have been taken in or could have been groomed to be moving into that and again, become victims of sex trafficking. The other piece that kind of um, is really very, very surprising. Again, I talked about the 4 million uh, workers that we see in the United States alone every year uh, being trafficked for labor. When you think about those particular buckets, and this is, this is at the data, most of them are under the domestic worker buckets. So about 25% of them are domestic workers. 18% of those people are in construction. 15% are in manufacturing, and then agricultural and fishing sectors have about 11% of those people. Again, they're, they're brought over from a different country, told we can give you a job, and then what they do is they take their passport, and then they, they keep them there. Or they, you know, again, force them to stay by threatening that their family might be hurt. Migrant workers and indigenous people are particularly vulnerable to forced labor. That's also true when it comes to women of color, uh, when it comes to uh, sex trafficking as well. What agencies help combat human trafficking? The Department of Homeland Security actually leads the effort with its blue campaign to end human trafficking, but actually all law enforcement organizations are also dedicated to the efforts. Here in Houston, each of the precincts, uh, the, the surround, Houston's uh, surrounding counties, each have a task force. I know the city of Houston has a task force and, and they all uh, work very ha much hand in hand to take action on anything that they see or, or, or is reported. What we ask of you today is to please share this knowledge. If you're being trafficked or you know of someone that might be, or perhaps something just doesn't feel right, call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. I'm gonna ask you to jot this number down, please. It's always good to keep it. I actually keep it in my telephone contacts. Um, you can dial 1-888-373-7888. Again, let me repeat that. 1-888-373. 7888. Or you can text the word help or info to be free. The number that, that you would text to is 233 733 
that's actually spells out be free and all you would send to that number is the word help or info and you can uh, make an anonymous um, uh, report or get some help from that perspective so lots of information there but I hope that this helped you understand that this is something that's in our own backyards that sometimes we kind of tend to um, look away thinking it's not something that's impacting us but you never know it could be your neighbor it could be someone in your family that could be targeted again these people use crazy tactics to to um, basically you know get whoever they can to help them make money so again remember wear blue let other people know that it's human trafficking is something that we need to eradicate we need to put a stop to it and we can help you know one of the things that i just amazes me when i see the news that there are so many young girls teenagers that often have conversations with people they think are their friends online mm -hmm. uh, especially through the social media networks like instagram and uh, TikTok and others right and they think these people are their friends they meet with them and eventually they convince them that you know they need to do this for them or they're going to get money uh, by doing something to what they say is simple and they just get you know sucked into it in so many ways right and how can we as parents and as community members talk to teenagers about the dangers of meeting with people they don't know and understanding that not everyone is their friend and I don't understand, you know, how is it that where we cannot have open conversations with teenagers? How is it that we have so many young girls that will trust someone, a stranger, someone they don't know more than a friend, a parent, a family, a brother, a sister, um, and that's who they trust. And they think this is the person that's going to lead me where I need to be. And this is who I feel comfortable with. So they follow that path. Uh, so we need to find a better way to communicate with them without breaking, you know, some of the walls uh, or some of the, I'm sorry, some of the effort that we've made already, some of the progress that we've made. Um, so I think that is that is the uh, for us to really accomplish um, in the near future. How can we have better conversations with our teenagers? You know, Carla, you, you hit on something very big. Um, I think I mentioned earlier um, our introduction that I don't have children, right? But I do get involved very closely with my nieces and nephews and an extended family, but also do a lot of um, mentoring across all ages of, of students. And one of the things that I always encourage them to, to do is to find and have a trusted adult. Doesn't matter if it's a mentor, if it's your mom, if you don't feel comfortable with your parents, find an aunt, find somebody that you can just, when you have a situation, you can you can go and you can trust and just say, look, I, I hope you don't judge me, but I need some help with this. And, um, you know, my, my goddaughters always knew that it didn't matter what it was. If anybody ever threatened them or scared them or said, you know, if you do something, we're going to hurt your family. They knew that at any point in time, they could come to Aunt Lolly and Uncle Dave and we would help them. And, and that's what we need to encourage our students or, or our young people to know is that yeah. we, we, we have no problem trusting somebody that we don't even know on the Internet. 
right? Yeah. You, you and think another... it's a, somebody your age and suddenly you're talking to someone who's twice your age. Yeah. And another thing too, I think is poverty oftentimes, you know, leads uh, young kids to do things that, that they think is okay to do. Uh, yeah. Because it's quick money, they they see, you know, oh, I can buy the shoes that I want, or I can, this person, if I call them, they're going to get me, you know, the shoes I want, or um, the purse I want, whatever it is, right? Or they're going to give me $100. And, you know, to young kids, that's a lot. And I tell you that because I can see why that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I When I was, I was a teenager, actually, I, I saw a lot of friends that were easily impressed mm-hmm. by someone giving them $25 for gas or someone that came and bought them a pair of shoes, uh, Nikes or, you know, something name brand. And it was so easy. They didn't see nothing wrong with it. It was like, oh, yeah, I just called him and he gave me, you know, this. And if I want this, I just have to call him and he gives me that. And, you know, this is how you mentioned in the beginning, this is how they begin to establish that. So I think it's important that we make them aware that it's not okay to take things from strangers. It's not okay that someone is giving you $20, $50, $100 just because they think you're cute. <laughs> right? And that happens a lot, a lot. It I does. saw it so much. I used to work at the mall and I used to see these young girls with this older man coming and, you know, buying all kinds of very expensive clothes and they will pay. And I don't know what happened after. You know, what if they took them somewhere after, uh, after the mall? So I would, just- I would like to add on that, Carla, as a parent, um, human trafficking obviously doesn't discriminate. You know, human traffickers are going to go to the most affluent in the most poverty stricken neighborhoods. And very rarely is it used done through kidnapping. You know, a lot of people assume it's kidnapping when you see all of these missing girls report. I don't know if you guys have been watching. I, I don't know why this month I have really been paying attention to um, maybe because I was sick and on the couch and couldn't do much. <laughs> but I had really been paying attention to the news reporting on missing women and how many have turned up dead. And so, you know, I started researching and reading up on it because one of the, the questions that I would see very often on the social media threads is, well, these girls want that life. These girls leave, you know, want to live that life. But, you know, human traffickers actually use any tool available to them. And a lot of times it's through manipulation, psychological manipulation. And they are very strategic about it. You know, this is, this is their business. This is how they're, you know, finding their financial stability. So they will target a victim. Then they will, you know, scout the victim for ideal characteristics. They want to be able to manipulate them. How can they gain their trust? What can they do? And a lot of times it is feeling a dependency, but that dependency is not always monetary. It could be that dependency of that child not having someone to talk to, you know, back to not everybody, everyone has an Aunt Lolly and Uncle Dave. Uh, and it's about trapping that victim and feeling them forced and isolated. And then, you know, maintaining control. And that's usually when the physical altercation comes in. It's towards the end when that victim might become aware or anything. So I think to a lot of parents, you know, when when you're thinking about these things, be very observant. You know, I remember my kids are now young adults, but I remember in high school when my daughter would come home and tell me, mom, so-and-so ain't living right. Or my son would come tell me, mom, so-and-so is doing this. How can I help them? You know, and a lot of times you really cannot fully help that person because they have to want your help. 
but you can take the place of that human trafficker by beating them to fill that need that that person has. You know what I mean? Because I think that that's very important to know. Um, it's kind of like when, when you're witnessing mental illness or when you're witnessing depression, but you don't really know what's going on, right? So I think that those are important things to look out for uh, because it does target everyone differently. And um, I think it's very important for us to be very aware of that and understand that it's not the parents' fault. They shouldn't be feeling guilty. It's not the kids' fault. They shouldn't be feeling guilty. It's the lack of communication to your point, right? You, you mentioned, Carla, that sometimes they're just not communicating. You can feel that need before the, the aggressor can. And I think that that's the important to stay on top of that and be mindful of that. And you know what? Let me just add very quickly one thing to the you know, the communication piece. I've spoken with parents that they say they don't know how to talk to their kids. And, you know, they sit there and they thinking, well, I want to talk to my kid, but I don't know what to talk to them about. So I talk to them about school and how school going. They just say, well, you know, it's, it's okay. And they, it's just short conversations, short answers, right? So I think as parents, we do have a responsibility to find ways to open that communication. And I love that about you, Anna, because it seems that you have a really great relationship with your kids. But I tell you that I know many people that do not. And I know my husband, you know, he often goes and plays video games with my son just because he taught, he opens up a lot more when he's playing a video game because he feels comfortable. So just finding what is it that they like to do and how can you meet them there rather than just say, well, you need to come talk to me because I'm your parent. And we can't do that. Right. So I think it is a very difficult time for us. Um, because we, as parents, we have to think, how can I meet my son or daughter where they are? How can I engage them so they can open up and feel comfortable to tell me either something they're going through or something their friends are going through so we can hopefully try to help their friends. Um, but it is something that I do admire about you, Anna, but a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, so let me pop in here. Um, I can't even speak. Guys and girls, they're very different, right? You know, the boys and girls are very different. Typically, <clears throat> to get boys to open up, you, you're going to be doing some sort of activity, right? If you're trying to sit down with them and just go one-on-one, -on -one, it's just not going to work. They, they need to be doing some sort of activity. And it, I guess it relaxes them or just, you know, doing something that they're comfortable with doing. And then they start to open up. With girls are a little different because we're more emotional, so we have a tendency to like want to speak <laughs> <I don't. laughs> typically, um, not everybody, but typically it's a little bit uh, easier to, you know, get them to open up a little bit more um, from that aspect. But the thing I wanted to piggyback on was social media. And I, you know, as part of the conversation that parents need to have with their children is you know, making sure that you tell them about social media, you know, the good things about it, but also how they can protect themselves. Because I, I think I saw a uh, statistic on online about Facebook and Instagram. Between the two of those platforms, it's over like almost 80% of human trafficking is done on Facebook and Instagram. 80%. That's crazy. crazy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely mm -hmm. crazy. But like Anna was saying, they're very coy. They're very strategic. And they have certain 
uh, phrases. They, you know, um, establish trust with these people. And one thing that these young kids need to know is that they look at your profile. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on what types of details that you're putting on your profile in your feeds. They're already researching you, your photos, everything. So they know exactly what your pain points are. They know how to compliment you. And then, you know, once you fall into that, like you were saying, Carla, if, you know, if it's money or, you know, you're not, especially with foster kids, um, if you're not happy at home and they hit that pain point and then they start to establish that trust. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're picking you up. It could be within a matter of a week. And then once that happens, you can forget about it. And uh, my last thing that I wanted to say is with um, the social media platforms, is there something that can be done about that? You know what I mean? I mean, they try to catch some of the fake profiles and things of that nature. I mean, nothing's going to be 100%, but I did see where um, the law enforcement are creating the fake profiles. Yeah. In order to track down, you know, and to trap these human traffickers as well. Mm-hmm. I was well, listening to, sorry, I was listening to a research that uh, someone did and they created a fake profile of a 12 year old girl. And she said within an hour, she had received over a hundred messages and calls. And that's amazing. And honestly, I didn't know that you could get calls on Instagram until maybe three months ago. I didn't know that was an option and it is. So they, they call them on Instagram and friend them and send them photos and, you know, explicit photos. It's just very scary. And parents need to know that. I have so many friends that have their five, six year olds on Instagram and they have no, you know, parental controls or anything. And I'm like, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I did see, I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead. One thing I did see uh, when we're talking about um, Facebook, I guess Facebook has an algorithm that can alert parents if there's some sort of, you know, um, fishy type of post or something like that on their kids' profiles. So that's a good thing if you can, you know, if you have control over your kids' profiles or at least have access. Mm-hmm. And that's something very important, Renee. I think that anyone who has a child under the age of 17 uh, really needs to have access because basically we worry about our kids when they go out in the street. But what you just heard from Renee about, you know, be it 70, even 60% of the people are targeting folks through through the social media platforms. We should be checking and making sure that they're not exposed to things like that. A lot of times we have people that go into the game rooms and pose as if they're a young person. And and again, you start talking, you build up rapport with them and you think you're talking to someone who's just like you and find out something totally different. Um, I think that one of the things that we have to understand when it comes to, um, to these fake profiles as well is that the more that we become aware, the more that we take action ourselves, that's how we can help. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I go, you know, I'll get a request from someone who's a friend and I know they, they didn't just create another request. Guess what? Mm-hmm. I'm reporting it. I'm also yeah. letting my friend know that you need to go check your thing. Right. And, and it's when we don't take action, it's our own lack 
you know, stepping up basically that allows these people to feel like, uh, you know, it's not doing that. Mm-hmm. And what's at stake is our youth. I, I, the, I, I'm going to go back to one thing that Carla was talking about with, um, I find that when I am going to, if I, there is a situation that I need to talk to somebody, be it a, a mentee, be it a niece or a nephew, one of the best things to do is to invite them out. I know parents nowadays are doing a lot of these date nights with their kids, right? Where you're spending time dedicated to to that person. And it, you don't necessarily have to bring a topic in a, in a situation where you're accusing them of anything. But you can bring the topic up and say, hey, you know what? I do a lot of work in the community and something's been coming up. And I just want to share with you because, goodness, you never know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and when you're talking to them in that level, they tend to open up because they feel like you're really addressing them like an adult, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're not accusing them. And so the conversation becomes very fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you, I've had some of the most difficult conversations in that manner. And uh, many times what I'll just say is, you know, I really care about you. I really, you know, there's something that's been on my mind and I really just, I just have to address it and we can talk about it, but it's not, again, it's not, I'm I'm telling them, I'm not preaching to them. I'm just talking about a situation. We can talk about, you know, human trafficking risks. We can talk about, you know, Instagram and and different things. People being catfished um, is a way to do. Carla's point, I think we've all talked a little bit about it make sure that you find a way to reach out to people that you care about mm-hmm. and just make sure that they know. I think that at the end of the day, just the thought that if I didn't speak up, we might end up losing somebody that we love, that we care about, is reason enough to take that uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. It's important yeah. to note, because I know we, we spoke a lot about you know young girls, teenagers, you know, human trafficking is, is, it's all inclusive. It's one of the few things in this world that is truly non-discriminatory and all-inclusive. And that's very unfortunate. Um, over 400,000 young men and boys are also human trafficked every year. So um, have those conversations in open lines of communications. If you cannot do it, somebody else can. So find the way, find the interest, the common interest, begin remember that most human trafficking victims are conditioned by feeling a need. Find out what that need is before them. And that's why, as Renee mentioned earlier, they start looking at profiles because they are establishing, they're scouting that individual. By the time that they reach out to you, they've already monitored your social media. They've already monitored your actions. They've already monitored who you are. And they have already identified where they can come in and fill in a need. So I think that's very important to note. Um, And I know we're running out of time. Um, This has been a a very good and impactful episode. Many of us often think of human trafficking. It's not widespread. Um, It is a prevalent worldwide practice, though. And let's continue to stay alert and protect each other, right? If you want to make a difference and help those who may be trapped in this horrific web, you can contact the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline, as Lolly mentioned earlier, at 1-888-373-7888. Or you can text the word "be free" all crammed together, to 33733. That's again, you can text it to 233733. 
The hotline is operated by the Polaris Project, one of the most influential groups working in the United States. To find out how you can help, you can visit their website, www.polarisproject.org. Another organization that all of us have partnered with on this podcast before is the NOMI Network. And their mission is to end human trafficking by creating pathways to safe employment, empowering women and girls to break cycles of slavery in their families and communities. Um, they are always in need of donations and volunteers. So feel, feel free to visit their website as well at www.nominetwork.org. That's N-O-M-I network.org to find out more. As promised, here's how you can join us as an audience member in a future episode. We hope you're just as excited as we are, so make sure you visit our True Talk Cafe Facebook page and send us a request to attend episode five as an audience member. Use the hashtag TTCEP5. We will respond to your request with our podcast website link where you will find um, space to enter your email and an address for, um, sorry, to enter your email address for us to send an audience link. We'll also send all audience members a reminder the day before the recording so that you can join us. It's going to be so much fun to have you join us live. And once again, we do welcome your feedback. Please let us know your thoughts about today's show. Leave a comment or review. We will respond to all comments, but please be nice. We'd love to hear your thoughts regarding human trafficking. Share any past experience, knowledge, or events that we can be a participant in. Do not forget to like and rate the episode. We appreciate you tuning into our podcast, and we hope you join the TTC Crew Facebook page. Again, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook using at True Talk Cafe. Please use the hashtag TTC Talks or True Talk Tuesdays. Recommendations for discussion topics are also always welcome. We want to ensure you are providing con provided content that is of value to you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy us on the next podcast episode called He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not. This is sure to be a fun and engaging conversation. Talk to you soon.